let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb. A thief has stolen my gari. A thief has stolen my gari. Jembu ran out of his house, waving his arms and shouting, A thief has stolen my gari. All the compound people came rushing out to see what was taking place. When they heard about the stolen gari, they were confused. One woman said, it's just a little gari. How do you know it was stolen? But when Jembu told them the details, they all became alarmed. A thief has stolen Jembu's gari, they all shouted. The commotion spread through the village until it came to the chief's attention. He called for Jembu and the compound people. What is happening, he said. And when they told him about about the details of the story, the chief began to shout, A thief has stolen Jembu's curry! We must find the thief! And so they went throughout the village, going from house to house to find the stolen gari. Now you may be surprised why there was so much commotion about stolen gari, but when you know the details, you too would be alarmed. For you see, Jembu had a big rat in his house. And he wanted to catch the rat and kill it. So he had bought some gari and mixed rat poison in the gari. He was going to set the poison gari out later that night to kill the rat. But then someone stole his gari. The person who stole the gari didn't know there was rat poison inside. He might eat the gari and die. Or worse, he might give it to his family and they might die. Or worse, he might take the gari to the market and sell it and many people might die. They had to find the thief. So the chief declared, whoever has stolen Jembu's gari, you are forgiven. There will be no punishment. We don't want to harm you. We just want you to bring back the gari, for the gari has poison. Inside his room, Kojo laughed. <laughs> he didn't believe the nonsense about poison gari. He did not believe the news about forgiveness. He thought they were trying to capture him. They wanted to trick him. They wanted to punish him. So he kept quiet. He put the gari he'd stolen under his bed uh, and he closed his ears so he couldn't hear their cries about forgiveness and grace. Ha! Later that night, he planned to soak the gari and drink it. Ah! <laughs> he was laughing at how he had tricked old Jembu and taken his gari. But in the morning, Kojo was dead. He didn't believe the message about the poison. He didn't believe the offer of grace and forgiveness. He didn't believe, and Kojo died. There are a lot of people in the world today who are just like Kojo. We've been captured by sin. We're facing certain death. But God has sent a message through all the world. It's a message of grace, a message of forgiveness, a message of life, a message of restoration. But for many people today, we refuse to believe that our sins can be forgiven and life can be restored back to God. So we hide in fear, or we laugh at those who tell us the good news, or we refuse to come to God. We refuse to stand up and admit our wrongdoing. We refuse to offer the, the offer of grace, and we hide in our room thinking we know better. Perhaps you're here today, and you're like Kojo. 
You don't really believe that God's grace is enough. But if you understood God's grace, if you had a revelation today of God's grace, you would not run from God. You would run to God. If we could all see his grace, we would be overwhelmed with his love, with his kindness, and we would come running to God today, and our lives would be transformed. We would be free from what has held us down. We would be restored. We would be brought back to life. So let's take a moment this morning and understand the truth about the amazing grace of God. We're going to look at a man who was so desperate, he'd lost everything, but in the end grace and kindness sought him, and grace and kindness found him, and grace and kindness restored him, and in his story and his lesson, we can find the path back to God's amazing grace. But before we learn more, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you that it's visible to us. In the death and resurrection of Christ, we have the path back to you. I pray today, Lord, that you will open our eyes and give every single one of us a revelation of your amazing grace. Take away the doubt, take away the fear, and open our hearts to receive your word, your truth, your power and your grace. We submit to you now. We bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to come and minister light and life and grace, power and truth to our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. I want to invite you to take a moment, join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, Speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Welcome to Agape House. It's great to have you here today joining us in person and online as we begin a new sermon series called Prevailing Grace. Now, to help us do that, we printed sermon notes. They look like this. They're inside your bulletin. So go ahead and take them out and follow along with me. If you're watching online, you can get these for free. Download them at our website and our social media pages. And there on your notes, we're going to see that today we're discovering three truths about God's amazing grace from the story of Mephibosheth. Now, the first thing that you might react to that is you might say, Mephibosheth, I've heard of grace, but I've never heard of Mephibosheth. But today we're going to look at his story, for he was a real human being, a man who lived in the time of King David. And in his story, we're going to see how God lifted him from nothing to something, from death to life, from being a beggar to sitting at the king's table. So let's begin by reading the opening introduction introduction to his story from 2 Samuel 4.4. Now receive the word of the Lord. Saul's son, Jonathan, had a son named Mephibosheth, who was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she turned and hurried away, she dropped him and he became crippled. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 
At first glance, this doesn't seem like much of a story. It doesn't seem like a story about grace. But we need this introduction to see what happened to Mephibosheth and how his life got turned around. For you see, the Bible tells us he was of royal heritage. His grandfather was King Saul of Israel. His father was Jonathan, the crown prince. Mephibosheth was in line to sit on the throne of Israel. He lived a privileged life, even though he was just five years old. He had everything that he needed. But suddenly one day, his life of privilege was turned into a life of poverty. Men came shouting, banging on the gate of the compound. And when they shouted the news, everyone in the compound became panicked. Women started crying and wailing. Men began to faint. Dogs were barking. And people began to gather their things to flee. For the news came that King Saul and Crown Prince John had gone to battle and been killed in battle. The enemy was prevailing and they knew that Mephibosheth as a crown prince would possibly be in the target of the enemy. He might be coming right now to kill them. And so they gathered their things to flee. And the nurse, the Bible says, picked up Mephibosheth and she turned to run. She was trying to rescue him, but as she turned, she tripped and stumbled and she dropped the boy and he became a cripple. For in that moment, everything changed. He went from being a child of privilege, a royal crown prince, into somehow becoming a fugitive. He went from being a happy child who was playing to a crippled boy dependent upon others. He became a, a beggar, broken and crippled. He was destined for glory, but now he needs grace. And here's the truth we all need to understand today from Mephibosheth's story. We are all just like Mephibosheth. We're all fallen and broken and crippled. Just like Mephibosheth, we need God's amazing grace. And that's our first truth today. We all need God's amazing grace. You see, you have to understand this morning that we are all like Mephibosheth. It says he was crippled as a child. And everything about his story relates to us. For you see, just like him, we were destined for royalty, but we've lost our inheritance. The Bible tells us when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and he gave them authority over the birds and the trees and the nature and the animals. Over all things, man was destined to rule. But Adam and Eve surrendered that destiny and came under the power of Satan and sin and death. And in that moment, they dropped all of us and we all lost our inheritance. For Romans 5.12 says, when Adam sinned, uh, sin entered the world. Adam's sin spread uh, brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And in that moment, we were dropped by Adam and Eve and lost our destiny. And because of that, just like Mephibosheth, we have run in fear and hidden from God. For the Bible says when God came to call Adam and Eve, they went and hid themselves. Fear and shame and guilt causes men to run away from God and were separated from him. For Isaiah 59, 2 says, your iniquities have separated you from God. And just like Mephibosheth, we've all fallen and broken 
For Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the truth is, since Adam and Eve sinned, every single human being has been dropped and crippled. We've been broken and disabled. And there's nothing you or I can do to bring ourselves back. And as a result of our fallen condition, we live in a place called Low Debar. You see, after the nurse dropped Mephibosheth and he became crippled, then she picked him up and still continued to flee. And the Bible says they went into exile in a place named Lodabar. Lodabar in the Hebrew means no greenery, no pasture, no good thing. It was a barren wilderness, worse than the worst zongo, worse than any place you've ever been. There was no trees, no pasture, no greenery. It was a barren wasteland. And just like Mephibosheth, after we've been dropped and broken and crippled, we've been exiled to a place called Lodabar. For the Bible says in Ephesians 4, the unsaved are blinded and confused. Their closed hearts are full of darkness. They're full of darkness, the Bible says, and they cannot understand the ways of God. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. No matter how beautiful your life is on the outside, without Jesus, we all are living in low Debar. No matter how luxurious your mansion, no matter what type of car you drive, no matter how wealthy or fancy or famous or pleasurable your life is, without Jesus Christ, we are all living in a barren, dry wilderness. For money and power and fame and pleasure can buy a lot of things, but they cannot buy peace and joy and eternal life. Money can buy a bed, but not sleep. Money can buy books, but not brains. Money will buy food, but not appetite. Money can buy finery, but not beauty. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy medicine, but not health. Money can buy luxury, but not culture. It can buy amusement, but not happiness. Money will buy religion, but not salvation. Money will buy a passport to everywhere except for heaven. Do you know what they're doing in the U.S. right now? In the U.S., if you're convicted of a crime and sentenced to prison by a judge, if you have money, somebody say money, if you get money, you can pay to upgrade your prison cell. Hey! Americans, they are wonderful people. Thank God for their life. Yeah, that's right. In California, USA, if the judge sentences you, maybe you murdered someone, you stole something, and you're sent to prison, you can pay money. If you pay $100 a night, you get a special prison cell. You are set apart from the other prison population. In your prison cell, you get a flat screen TV. You can get special meals brought in. You can bring your laptop and even your mobile phone. Hey, hey. But no matter how much you pay or how nice they make it, you're still in prison. No matter what you've done to make the place nice, it's a little room with metal bars and you are not free. And I'm here to declare to you that's how it is in this life. No matter how nice your life may be, no matter how much you spend or what you pay, without Jesus, you're still in low debar. Without Jesus, you're still in prison. And worst of all, there's no way back. 
We see that in Mephibosheth. He had no way back. He couldn't go and appeal to the new king, David, for he was afraid. As a former heir to the throne, he might be seen as an enemy. He didn't appeal to the new king. The best he could hope for was to remain in obscurity, to live out his days in low debar without hope, without future, without a dream. And maybe that's like you. Maybe you've stopped dreaming of better days. Maybe you've given up hope on your destiny. Maybe you've lost hope and all you want to do now is survive. Just make it through today. Make it through this week, the month, the year. You don't believe that things will get better. You don't believe you can come back. You're just trying to hold on to life, hoping in the mercy of someone else to take care of you. The fact is, we are all like Mephibosheth. We've all suffered the experience he passed through. It may have been long ago or it may have been today but you've been dropped, broken, crippled. Think back to your life. What was your Mephibosheth moment when you were dropped? For some here, it was your father. You thought things would get better when he married his new wife, but she didn't like you. And she convinced him to drop you. So he took you to the village and dropped you with your uncle, stopped paying your fees and said, don't visit me again. You were dropped and you're still crippled. Maybe it was a fiancé. He promised you he would marry you. But the months turned to years and the years turned to excuses. And one day he texted you, texted you for God's sake and said it's over. He dropped you. And you saw his Facebook page. He had a new fiancé, somebody with money, and you were dropped. Maybe it was a workplace. You worked hard. You came on time. You did your best. But your coworkers were jealous of you, so they ganged up against you and lied against you. And before you knew what happened, the boss dropped you. No reference, no severance, no help. You were dropped. Or maybe, maybe it was a church that dropped you. You used to attend regularly. You gave faithfully. But in your hour of need, the church turned its back. The church dropped you and you had nowhere else to turn. Maybe the person who dropped you wanted to help you. Maybe they were trying like the nurse with Mephibosheth. But in their haste and in their fear, they dropped you nevertheless. And now you're crippled and broken. You've been abandoned and you've been exiled to low debar. No pasture, no greenery, no remembrance. You're forgotten and forsaken. You had so much hope and now you don't dare to hope. You just go through the motions of life. Your expectation has been cut off. But listen to me carefully today. I've declared to you by the grace of God, that your location does not determine your identity. You may be living in low debar, but if you're a child of God, there's royalty in you. You've been brought into the family of God, and no matter how bad it looks on the outside, there is a future, and there is a hope for you, because God is coming to rescue you. He's coming to save you. He's coming to deliver you. No matter what has happened to you, when you're a child of God, you have royal blood in your veins. You have a calling and a 
destiny from God and you may be living in Lodabar, but don't let Lodabar live inside of you for God wants to lift you. God wants to restore you. God wants to bring you back. Somebody shout hallelujah. And I declare to you today, the King of Kings is looking for you. The King of Kings is calling your name. The King of Kings is searching for you to bring you back to his table. And that's our second truth today. God's amazing grace comes to seek and save us. You see, the good news about grace is it never abandons us. It never gives up on us. No matter where you've gone, no matter what you've done, no matter how often you've been dropped, grace always comes to look for you and to seek you and to pick you up. And that's what happened to Mephibosheth. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, many years have passed. The little boy has now become a young man. He's still in Lodabar without hope, without a future. But just as suddenly as tragedy came, so grace also comes suddenly. And in 2 Samuel 9, 3, King David is sitting on the throne when one day God put in his heart, God put in his mind a thought. And he says, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. And all of a sudden, there's a breakthrough. It was unexpected. It was unannounced. But God moves on David to begin to stir him to say, who is there left of Saul's descendant? Is there any son of Jonathan? I want to bring them in and bring them back and show them kindness. And friend, you may have been abandoned. You may have been dropped. You may have been rejected. You may be living in low debar. You may have been forgotten. But God has not forgotten you. Grace is coming to look for you. And I declare to you, someone is going to come looking for you before the end of this year. God is going to stir the hearts of somebody. They're going to begin asking for you. They're going to be searching for that agape member to show you grace, to show you kindness, to show you a contract, to show you something good. God is going to send somebody to chase you down and do you good. If you believe it, shout hallelujah. Because God's amazing grace always comes to save us. All through the Bible, this is the picture of God. God always chases us no matter how we've sinned, uh, no matter how we've fallen, he comes to lift us. It's God's picture chasing man in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve had sinned, they went to hide themselves in fear and shame and guilt, but God came calling for them, and God came looking for them, and God covered them and clothed them and gave them a second chance. In the book of the Old Testament, in the Old Testament books of the history of Israel, we see the same thing. The people of Israel turned their back on God and rebelled against them, but God never abandoned them. God never gave them up. He sent his prophets to call them over and over and bring them back and restore them. And even today, it's the same message God is giving to all of us. It's the message of the gospel, the message of grace. God is chasing us and God is searching for us and God is coming to call us. For Jesus said in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And no matter how you've fallen, no matter who's dropped you, God loves you. He never gives up on you. He never abandons you. He never forgets you. He never forsakes you. He's calling you back to himself. That's the powerful truth we can learn from the amazing true story of the four children who survived 40 days alone in the jungle. On May 1st this year, just about six weeks ago, a Cessna 206 plane was flying across Colombia with a pilot, co-pilot, a mother, 
and her four children. The oldest child was 13 years. The youngest was one year old. But before they could reach their destination, the plane engine developed a problem, and suddenly, without warning, they were dropped from the sky. The plane came barreling down and hit the earth nose first, killing the pilot and co-pilot, and eventually the mother. And here there were four children. They survived the plane crash, but they're trapped in a mess in the jungle. They had no water, no food, no medical supplies. They had no map, no cell phone, no way to reach people, no adult to care for them. They were surrounded by poisonous snakes and wild animals in the middle of a jungle so thick they could have died and no one would ever find their body. It seemed hopeless. It seemed they'd been abandoned. They'd been dropped. But what they didn't know is that at that moment, the nation of Colombia woke up. Colombia, South America began to pray for the children's survival. They started sending helicopters. They sent soldiers all through the jungle to search and search for those children. After two weeks, they found the wreckage of the plane, and they found indications and clues that the children had survived and had walked away, and they began to escalate their searches. People were praying. People were asking God to help them, and after 40 days alone in the jungle, after being dropped from the sky, miraculously, on Saturday, June 10th, the Colombian army found the four children alive, the 13-year-old, the two boys, and the one-year-old baby. A miracle had happened, and grace came down to rescue them. Colombia erupted in joy as people gave thanks to God. And I'm here to tell you today, you may have been dropped from a mighty height. You may be desperate, facing opposition that looks impossible to overcome. You may be in a situation that seems hopeless, but God is searching for you. God is seeking you. He wants to bring you back and restore you and build you and lift you up and bring you to his table. For the Bible says in John 3.17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And you may think you're broken and useless, but God says you're chosen and invited. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on what he's done. It's not who you are. It's whose you are. For Ephesians 2.8 says, It is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. But here's the amazing news. The grace of God doesn't just bring salvation. He comes to restore us to the level of authority and give us our destiny and bring us to royalty and bring us to his table. For Ephesians 2.4-6 says, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ. Get ready for this. And seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. And I'm here to tell you today that you've got a destiny of royalty. You're destined for the throne. You're destined not just to be saved and make it to heaven, but you're destined to rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. He's come to restore you. And that's our third truth today. God's amazing grace comes to restore us. See, Jesus came to save you, but it doesn't end there. It doesn't end at the altar with a sinner's prayer or the baptism waters. He wants to redeem you and then he wants to set you at his table as a beloved child. This is what happened to Mephibosheth. 
When he got the news that King David was looking for him, he might have been nervous and fearful. What does the king want with me, a crippled beggar who used to be in line to the throne? Maybe he sees me as a threat and he wants to kill me, but he had no choice when the soldiers came and they carried him to the palace of King David. Mephibosheth was shaking and shivering and the king came out. He thought it might be his judgment and his death, but then the king smiled and opened his arms and said, welcome home. I'm here to restore you. I'm here to show you kindness. 2 Samuel 9 13 says, and Mephibosheth ate regularly at the king's table. He went from a broken beggar to someone who was part of the royal family, living near the palace, sitting at the king's table. He was restored to his position of honor. And this is what God has done for us. For 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. And if you're a child of God, then you're an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. For Romans 8 says, His Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are His children and His heirs, uh, in fact, we since we are His children, we are His heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. And if you understand grace today, you'll understand that grace is calling you to the table of the Lord. Grace is calling you to the palace of the king. Grace is calling you as a child who's loved and honored and respected. Grace is calling you to something greater than you can imagine. For when you're an heir, you have a right to sit at the table with your father. That's why Jesus said in Luke 22, just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I now grant you the right, the right, the privilege to eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. God's grace to you today is not just for you to be saved. It's for you to come to the banquet table. Come and sup with him. Come and eat with him. Come and receive like a crown prince or princess, come to his kingdom and receive his grace. A few years ago, there was a school in Abury Gardens. They set out to go on an excursion. They wanted to come to Accra and see Independence Square, visit the sites. So the teachers told the students to go home and ask for a small sum of money to help pay for the bus so they could all go. And as the weeks went by, most of the children brought the money and paid. But with just a few days to the excursion, there were still a few children that had not paid. So a teacher stood in front of her class and she said, I want to know everyone who has not paid, stand to your feet. If you've not paid, stand to your feet. If you have not paid, stand to your feet. A few children stood up. But Ernest didn't stand. He knew he hadn't paid, but he was afraid. He said to himself, I think the teacher wants to cane us, those who haven't paid. I'm afraid. I don't want to be punished. And I don't want my mates to know I haven't paid. I'm ashamed and afraid. So when the teacher asked students who had not paid to stand, Ernest stayed in his seat. Then the teacher said, I want to make sure every one of you who's seated, you've already paid. You have the money for the trip. Is that right? And they all said yes. And Ernest said yes. Then the teacher stood and talked to the two or three that were standing. She said, I have good news for you. I've decided to pay for you myself. The students who were standing started jumping and clapping. Thank you, teacher. Thank you. All the class started clapping. And all too late, Ernest realized his mistake. Fear, pride had kept him from standing and it kept him from receiving. 
Don't let fear, don't let pride keep you from receiving the grace of God. For today is a day of restoration. Today is a day of grace. Today the King is calling for you. Come, sit with me, dine with me. I will restore you and bring you to my table. And we will fellowship together forever. That's God's amazing grace. Father, I ask for each and every one here that you do miracles, signs and wonders. Let our testimony be greater than the testimony of Mephibosheth. Let someone chase us and show us kindness. Let someone bring us back, oh God. Let your grace come and capture us and lift us to your table. We thank you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we would like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.